When Minerva Parker Nichols died in 1949, the New York Times ran a full headlined obituary to memorialize her. If you've been following the Times' current Overlooked No More series, which honors the many significant women who were never mentioned in their obituary pages, then the fact that Minerva got this coverage should spark your curiosity. Welcome to the last eight years of my life. I first found mention of Minerva in 2011, when I was in search of a thesis topic for my master's program. In four years of undergraduate classes in architectural history and two years of graduate coursework in historic preservation, I'd never come across any discussion of her, or hardly any women for that matter. Yet here I was looking at a list of over 60 buildings that wouldn't have existed were it not for this woman, including houses, an iron foundry, several women's clubs, and a pavilion for the World's Columbian Exposition. I was reading full front-page feature profiles of her in trade publications that had barely showcased any architects before, let alone female ones. Essentially, I was learning for the first time in 2011 what plenty of people already knew back in the 1890s, that Minerva Parker Nichols was the first woman in the country to practice architecture independently, without a man attached to her firm, and that in a pre-suffrage era that saw architecture establishing itself as a profession separate from the building trades, she bridged both of those worlds, supervising all of her own construction projects and carving out a nationally renowned architecture career based on sheer competence, savvy, and women-funded commissions. I'm guessing most of you haven't heard of her before today either, so let me introduce you to her. Minerva Parker was born in Illinois in 1862. When she was just 14 months old, her father died fighting for the Union Army. The loss of her father and the burdens placed on her widowed mother thrust Minerva into close contact with her grandfather, who lived nearby and taught a young Minerva about drawing and building structures. In 1876, Minerva's family moved to Philadelphia, and Minerva enrolled in every program she could find to gain experience in architectural drawing. She landed an apprenticeship with an architect named Edwin W. Thorne, who was busy with a slew of residential commissions in the developing suburbs along the main line of the Pennsylvania Railroad, just outside of Philadelphia. In 1888, Edwin decided to move his office a few blocks away, and Minerva seized the opportunity to take over his existing office. She hung out her own shingle, and newspapers recognized her as the first woman in the country to start her own practice. Her profile accelerated quickly. Within the first two years alone, Minerva published 11 notices of active projects in her office. She earned praise early and often for her capabilities in supervising construction for these commissions. Tradespeople commented on it, journalists praised her for it, and Minerva pointed to it as the key to her success. I don't mind walking over scaffolding a bit, she was quoted as saying, but I draw the line on ladders. Over the course of her career, Minerva designed over 60 projects around the country, at least half of which were residential commissions, for women clients in particular. She also wrote a series of articles, primarily in popular women's publications, that brought her readers into the fold of contemporary architectural conversations and massively increased her audience of potential clients. Not once in her projects or publications did she abbreviate her name or use initials or resort to a pseudonym to disguise her gender. She was a practicing architect known resolutely as Minerva Parker, and later, when she married William Nichols, Minerva Parker Nichols. The years from 1888 to 1896 were the busiest of Minerva's career before she married, had four children, and moved to Brooklyn with her family. Once she left Philadelphia in 1896, she never maintained a full-fledged practice again, but she continued to design for friends and family until late in life, before dying in 1949 at the age of 87. 
but I want to breeze past 1949 and question what's happened to Minerva's story and significance in the 70 years since her death. How could someone so prominent in their own time, someone who gained so much notice that she earned attention in the pages of the New York Times, be so largely forgotten today? Why have we left her out of our histories? When our histories overlook her, they neglect one of the earliest case studies of a woman successfully contributing dozens of structures to the American-built environment, and they significantly shortchange the trajectory of women's role in the profession of architecture. How much of our narrative and how many of our artists have we lost or outright omitted? What does that say about how we write our histories and compile our archives and evaluate significance today? and how much credence we give to the women and other underrepresented communities at the margins. What can we learn from the story of Minerva Parker Nichols about the way that architecture continues to be practiced today, and how the experiences of current architects and tradespeople who are women mirror Minerva's experience from 130 years ago? This is What Minerva Built, a podcast about the story of architect Minerva Parker Nichols, and a conversation about what she can teach us about the work of architecture, history, and preservation today. I'm Molly Lester. I'm an architectural historian and preservation planner, and over the next eight episodes, I'll talk to Minerva's family members, preservation advocates, practicing architects, tradespeople, archivists and historians, and the people who live in Minerva's buildings today. Together, we'll consider Minerva's story as part of a larger conversation about how the landscape we inherit and preserve can better represent the people who built it. This podcast is part of a larger effort to identify the fading traces of Minerva's architectural practice before more of these vestiges are lost, to the wrecking ball and to memory.